Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Hi, guys. <laughs> There's this famous Brendan Manning uh, introduction when he would do talks. He said, uh, in the words of Francis of Assisi, on the road to Umbria as he went to meet Brother Dominic. Hi. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I'm, I'm wrestling right now. I'm struggling because I, I, I have this sermon that I've prepped. Uh, and I just don't know if we should do it right now. Because like whenever something like this happens, I don't want to miss the fact that we come with so many expectations on what should happen. And then like the power goes off, yeah, like the worship team sets up and they've got everything going. They're, they're figuring this out. And, you know, we have sound and AV and they're running the lights. We've got a video and then it goes off. And it's like, can we be church without all this stuff? And I'm just wondering, like, if, if we were to, like, take a moment and pause and really reflect on the God we believe the church we're a part of. If we were to just pull everything away, all the expectations, and we just had a group of people in a room with no lights no sound, no great video of past experiences with some elements of gluten-free crackers and juice and acoustic worship and a sermon that was just like, hey, let's just go for it. Could we be church? Or would we expect the podcast, the series, the, the cool slides? I have cool slides. Um, <laughs> it's like the first, literally one of the only Sundays where I'm like, it doesn't work without the slides. It's true. It's like this two, new paradigm. And I'm like, you know what? We could just, and I'm going to go with it. And so maybe second service, we'll do the talk. But there's this thing in the scriptures, in the Psalms, and you read it where it says Selah. You read a Psalm and it says Selah. Do you know what I'm talking about? So if you're going to go in a Psalm, I'll just pick a random one as soon as I can find the word. So in, I'm in Job. I shouldn't go to Job. <laughs> I'm not going to find it in Job. <laughs> now I can't find it. Here we go. Um, why can't I find a psalm? Don, do you know a psalm that has Selah in it? I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> this is so good. Anyone that finds one, just 87. Okay, we'll go to 87. So you get this, this musical instruction. Psalm 87. We're not going to read the whole psalm, but I want to show you if I can find 87. It comes after 86. Thank you, John. <laughs> so you have this, this psalm. And mine doesn't have it. <laughs> Where, where's yours? Where's Selah? Oh, there it is. That's weird. Mine Bible doesn't have it. No wonder. Okay. So you have, on the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion 
more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Selah. So all throughout other Bibles, you have, <laughs> you have this divine pause and it's instruction to, to wait, to think, to pause and create silence around what was spoken, around who God is. And in the Jewish scriptures, in fact, um, it wasn't just the letters that were important for instruction of the Torah. It was the space between the letters that had significance and meaning. And as I came in this morning thinking of the fact that we, the power went out as we're about to start church, I thought maybe we just need a divine pause for a moment. So I have something in my heart, I think, maybe. I could be off and I'll just be a fool. We'll sing some songs and we'll go out and next week I'll do the sermon here. Sound good? Yeah. <laughs> we'll have Thanksgiving turkey and next week you can throw balls at me and dodgeball. And there's just, just so you know, like, you know, you don't, you don't become an expert drummer or, uh, or a, a guitar player overnight. So if you're trying to get good at dodgeball, it's not going to happen to this week. <laughs> Some of us have been training our whole lives. <laughs> Can we just close our eyes? Let's just make a, a pause. That beeping noise is the system here that's connected to, to Franklin. So let's just close our eyes and sit quietly for a moment as best as we can. Lord, we want to be people of your presence. So I pray your, your spirit would fill us now. Refresh us, Lord. In this moment of stillness together, I pray, Lord, that you, in the silence, would make yourself known to us. Lord, we come to church so often to get something, to be filled up so that we can go out and do. So often we come with the Lord's people expecting to receive something. And I pray, Lord, we would come now expecting to give. And for those that haven't been to church for a while or have been and they're new to our community, I pray that in this moment they would see you as the living God and see your church in a new way. That we don't need stages and microphones and stage lights and curated spaces. 
We need the presence of God in our lives. So Lord, we just ask for more of you now. It says in the scripture that whenever we gather, we're, we're supposed to be filled with your presence, filled with your spirit. So Lord, would you just fill us? It says when we gather, we bring our own songs. We bring spiritual songs that we've been carrying and we speak to one another with hymns. We give thanks always for who you are. And we submit to one another out of reverence for you, out of awe and wonder and fear and adoration. So Lord, we just want that to be today. Lord, I look out um, at the, the United States right now, looking at the, the mass hole of immorality that's in our leadership as a country, in the entertainment world. I think of all the men and women who have been victims of misconduct and abuse. And I think now more than ever, the church needs to be a place that's standing on solid ground with lives that reflect the character of Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would raise us up as a church to stand in the character of Christ, to live with truth in our hearts, in our literally in our, in, in our everyday habits, that they would be so saturated with the kingdom of God that people would, from the outside, want to li live like us because of the character and lifestyle habits we've adopted as a community. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that need a, a reminder of who they are this morning. Would you just remind them of how loved they are by you? And we love you, Jesus. We bless you. Amen. So I'm going to just go off. I don't, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. So uh, we'll just, I don't even, I'm going to put my phone on and I'll try to end it in just a few minutes. Maybe it really will be short. Um, but looking at the world, it's clear to me that we need a better church to offer the world, don't we? I mean, I, look, I read the news every day and it's just more and more frustrating and I even read the news about what pastors and churches are doing. I see the statistics of the evangelical world. And it breaks my heart because it looks nothing like the Jesus of the scriptures. The Jesus or the kingdom he came to establish and bring on earth, here and now, not some other time. And I wonder if we could just take a pause and do a self-inventory for a moment and wonder if we're, we're living out the message that Jesus came to bring. I wonder if, if we were to do an honest evaluation, an inventory of, of our own personal lives as followers of Jesus, are we perpetuating his message, his life and his ministry through our everyday ordinary lives? Or have we just settled for something that's convenient, an addition or an accessory? Have we made Jesus in our own image or are we following the Lion of Judah? The bringer of the kingdom. You see, when I, I was reading today, if you're following along, I just I was reminded of this message. It's been in my heart since I came back to faith. Mark chapter one. And it said, This is Jesus' message. The time has come. And the time he's referring to is this Old Testament time. This long awaited new era that the entire Old Testament was pointing to. It was a time when God's Rain would be on earth. It was a time when those that were oppressed by anyone would be set free. 
It was a time that the Old Testament prophets called the day of the Lord or the age to come. It would be marked by forgiveness of sins, healing, justice, renewal, the law of God being placed in our hearts. It was a time marked by the resurrection, forgiveness. It was a time marked by grace and the Holy Spirit filling the Lord's people. And so the, the prophets promised that this was going to happen. And when the, the exiled uh, Israelites came back to Jerusalem, they were expecting the cosmos to be shifted and changed. But it doesn't happen. And then Christmas happens. The story of Jesus coming into uh, 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 Jerusalem, being born. And all of a sudden, the 400 years of silence, the long awaited Messiah comes and he's born into a manger. And he says, when he starts his ministry at 30 years old, the time that everyone's been waiting for is at your fingertips. It's fulfilled in my presence. And you have to look back at the Old Testament and see what he was saying. When he gets into Luke's gospel, are you kidding me? Luke chapter 61, he, I'm sorry, Luke Chapter 4, he quotes Isaiah 61, the year of the Lord's favor when Jubilee. (laughs) Oh gosh, apparently I'm going to stay on topic. So he gets into the Jubilee and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind, to set the captives free. To announce the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is inaugurating the year of the Lord's favor, the Jubilee, which for us, we miss it. We think, oh, it's this Old Testament concept. For anyone that was poor, it meant their debts are canceled. For any slave, it meant that they are free because you no longer have slavery when it was the year of Jubilee, the time of Jubilee in the Old Testament. For anyone uh, that, had, that gave up their land because of taxation and oppression or circumstance, their lands were returned. So when Jesus comes onto the scene, he brings this revolution that involved money, possessions, and social constructs. And we make following Jesus about the right doctrine and belief and attendance in the church. But Jesus comes to enter a whole new system. To to say money and possessions are not about self-accumulation or for your own self-interest. It's for the common good. So when Jesus comes and says the time has come and and then he begins to preach about the kingdom, he's referring to all of this Old Testament stuff that's so good, too good to be true. And and it goes on in that same passage in, in, in Isaiah 61. And it says, uh, I, uh, that when the Messiah comes, the Spirit of the Lord will be on him to preach good news to the poor and give sight to the blind. And then it says, and they will rebuild the cities. Who are the they? It's the poor. It's the blind that now see. It's the slaves that are now free. But yet in the United States, we've made it this thing that follows the American dream. And the church has just married political systems, social economic systems, and a religious establishment of power. And if there's one thing I would say, if there was a divine Selah, it would be to repent and believe. So the the message of Jesus is the time has come and then the kingdom of God has come near. And this is the message we've preached a lot about. And and I want to reiterate, if we could just pause and reorient our church around one thing, it would be this one verse. The time has come, the Old Testament, all this, the kingdom of God is God's way of life, the way it was intended to be at your fingertips. It's not about where you go when you die. 
It's not about believing the right things about God so that one day you have insurance to get out of this place and be zapped and not left behind. That's a poor theology. <laughs> just, just sweeping right along. You won't be left behind. But it's about believing that God's way of life on earth, the way of the garden of Eden before sin came into the world can be established here and now. And that starts with the right relationship with God. From right relationship with God, you enter into right relationship with yourself. How many of you are here and you struggle with identity? You struggle with self-hatred or doubt and insecurity? How many of you here question yourself? You don't have a solid sense of self. I was going to talk about the anxiety and the burnout and the exhaustion, which I'll talk about next week, that, part, that came from church planning. Like, how is it that we can do God's work and be so stressed and anxious that we bleed places we shouldn't bleed. That doesn't make sense if his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's because we're doing it the wrong way. And then it comes back to our identity being anchored and established in this identity that Christ gives only from this Abba relationship. Then we can have love for self. You can't have love for your neighbor unless you love yourself. We can try to love our brothers and sisters with acts of, of, and disciplines. But until you fully understand your belovedness, you will never truly love perfectly outside of yourself. Because it, be, it will always come from a, a, a dislocated relationship with God and self. So, so the kingdom relationship begins with you and God and then it moves to you and yourself and then it comes out to everyone and all relationships begin to be healed and there begins to be peace and shalom between all humanity and then all of creation. Creation is included. We are called to steward this earth. We're called to steward the earth. That means physical space, carbon emissions matter. Whether you believe this or not, unfortunately, that's a biblical concept that Pope Francis has made an epistle of, global warming. Praise the Lord <laughs> that there is a pope as revolutionary as Pope Francis. And there's, there, we don't live in an era where there's us or them. We're on the same team. And I love what Pope Francis is doing right now with some of these progressive things about uh, challenging the way we treat and steward creation and the immigrant and the refugee across the board. So, but the message of the kingdom is God's way of life is available for anyone and everyone. It's at your fingertips. And so Jesus doesn't just preach this, he embodies this. He embodies this message. He incarnates this message, which is what Christmas is about. It's about God becoming flesh and bone and moving into our neighborhoods. And so Jesus, he doesn't just say, hey, believe that this is a reality. He says, experience it for yourself. Taste and see it's good. Are we preaching? Are you guys with me? Because this is the message we're missing in the church. Because we're not embodying the message of Jesus. We can proclaim it with ethics and viewpoints of politics, but the church has to embody the message of Jesus in the kingdom. He says to the leper, be made whole. And the thing about the leper, it always gets me because we make it about this miraculous healing moment. And it is miraculous because he is healed. But the social implications of leprosy, the religious implication of leprosy, the, the relational implications to his family, the vocational implications are all healed through the ministry of Jesus. 
So the leper gets healed, but that means he can go into the temple and worship. That means he can go to work and work with his hands. That means he's not relying on, on handouts because he was kicked outside of the camp because of leprosy. That meant internal identity healing because he would walk into crowds announcing unclean, unclean, unclean. So when Jesus says the kingdom is at hand and the leper is healed, he's saying, look at what it looks like when the kingdom comes to individual life. It heals his identity. It heals his religious, his spiritual uh, soul. It heals his emotional capacity because his inner wounds are beginning to be lifted by the love of God. It heals his relational capacity and his mental capacity. Do you see the implications of the kingdom? Yeah. <clears throat> if we make it about spiritual things and converting people to Christianity and saving souls, we miss the work of the church to touch the untouchable, not to say, okay, be healed. Invite them into your life and make sure they have a meal after they're healed. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God has come, is at your hand. It's at, at hand. You can, you can grab it for yourself. You can grab it for yourself. These stories of miracles, they're available for you. It's the woman at the well, right? What does the kingdom look like for the, the Samaritan? who She was despised. She was hated. She was a religious heretic an immoral woman who had multiple husbands. Never in a million years would a, a prophet, a rabbi, a spiritual person talk to her. And he's, he comes to her as the son of God incarnate and presents himself as a beggar. Do you have any water? We're not, think about that, that image. He sits down and asks for water. He could have condemned her. He could have spoke about all the sin he knew about her. He could have talked about her religious uh, mis misunderstandings. But the kingdom of God comes to her in flesh and bone. And he's a beggar giving the superior position to her. He takes the inferior position. Do we need to hear this today? Yes. Don't talk about evangelism. About let me tell you something I know. Come under them and serve them. We're preaching. <laughs> preaching or preaching kingdom of God all of that justice and healing and righteousness and forgiveness of sins some of you this week right now you're already messed up from the inside because you know you got to go see those family members on Thursday <laughs> playful some of you have been grieving all week already because those family members aren't there anymore and you just carry this broken heart because it's the first time in a year that this holiday is without that cousin, nephew, brother, neighbor. And you're carrying all of this. Now, how do you how do you incarnate the kingdom as a reality to be experienced? as you walk into this week with grief and pain and family conflict, Jesus offers you a way. He offers you a way. So Jesus' message is the most provocative, revolutionary invitation because the next part of his message is repent and believe. And put together, this is an invitation to join the revolution. We know throughout history, there's a guy named Josephus who was not in the Bible. He was alive during the time or after the time of Jesus. And he writes 
when he was talking to revolutionaries in 60 AD around Nazareth in Galilee, there were these Jewish revolutionaries opposing Rome and Josephus was hired by Rome to work with the revolutionaries so that the revolutionaries would uh, submit to Roman authority. And the phrase he used, 60 AD, was repent and believe in me. Jesus used the same phrase. It wasn't just to turn away from sin and stop sinning. It was to align and reorder your entire life around this new agenda and become a participant in the revolution. So if I say we need to repent and believe in the kingdom, we have to reorder our lives around this message and incarnate it in such a way that everywhere we go, to everyone we meet, every day we live, we bring this life that Jesus intended all of his followers to embody. And the method of how you bring this life is through discipleship, which is why we're doing a year-long series on becoming an apprentice of Jesus. But this is the message we need to carry because it's a message that has to be embodied and it's a lifestyle that has to be practiced. And most importantly, it's what the church has come to proclaim. This is what we need. Brothers and sisters who know who the real Jesus is, who can discern through Facebook memes what true Christianity is. You know, there's studies coming out that's showing that memes had more of an impact on voting than policies or political um, uh, uh, personalities. <laughs> Seriously. This is how they infiltrated uh, over 134 million Americans. Facebook and social media had a bigger impact than we realized because memes create new narratives and, and because Facebook is more than just a media hub, it's a, a habit for all of us, right? First thing you do is hit F or whatever and it pops up and then you get on your, you know what I'm talking about? First thing you do when you wake up is check your emails, Facebook, Instagram, social media. All right, so we're created, we, we are narrative beasts or animals as Babette Buster says. And we, we've created these habits. So repent and believe is to challenge the things in our lives that are no longer aligning with God's message, no longer aligning with God's way of life. And, and we realign our lives to uh, reflect the God we know, his message and lifestyle back into the world. That's what it looks like. And, and when we do this, the only way we can really sustain that is in a community with a group of people that have made a covenant around the same ideals or ideas and values. You can't do it on your own. You can't possibly be such a rebel. If you tried to do it by, by yourself, you would, be, you would just be an outcast. But this is, this is the point. If the church, if we can do this together collectively, if we could say, you're right, Darren, we need to repent and believe. We need to, we need to align our, our lifestyles. Our, you know what? I'm going to repent. My, my resources my money and possessions, the only filter I use is myself, my dreams, and my family. I got to start including the common good of community that I'm walking with. Then together, if that became the new norm, could you see how revolutionary this would be? Then we could actually point to this United States and say, actually, there's an alternative to all of this stuff, to the church that's married to politics and the economic system and the establishment, to the non-Christian lifestyle, which is so appealing because of the church. We could say, no, there's a better way to live. There's an alternative revolution we're a part of. Come and see for yourself.
That's good. <laughs> 20 minutes. That's what's on my heart today. It's on my heart every day. This is my, my hope for our church. If, if there's one thing, it was that it's this passage, it's this message. It's a church that reflects it back into this world as a beautiful example of an alternative. I'm so tired of hearing about the poor witness the church has today. And we are part of the problem. When we hold on to unforgiveness, when we don't allow God to help us release those people in our community that have hurt us. And there's disunity. When we try to build our own little kingdoms rather than the big kingdom. When we point to celebrities, when we point to a worship style, when we, whatever, we blow it that way. And there's so many heart, when, when leaders of the church don't call out bigotry or don't call out immorality and say, we have to do better. We have a problem. And I'm, I'm tired of having conversations with atheists at coffee shops telling me about the problem of the church and me saying, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best witness tool a couple weeks ago. This guy's going off, totally broken by the church. He grew up Catholic and he left because of all the abuse. And I get it. I totally agree with him. And then he was going off about the stuff going on today in the last few years. I totally agree. And I said, but, but there's another way. There's a French revolutionist who said something, and I paraphrase, the only, true, uh, the only church that it illuminates is the church on fire. And they literally meant burning it down during the revolution. That's what they did in France. And I would say, I totally agree. The only church that illuminates is the one that we set on fire, let it burn down, and sit in the pews as we reconstruct. And that's our call. Every generation has to re rebuild the church, reinterpret the gospel in its own language, in its own ways. And this is our time. This is our time, as the Goonie says. My time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is our time. So let's take it. And if we're going to take it, it's not going to come because you were inspired in a lecture-like environment. It's going to be, happen because you really repent with the Holy Spirit and you begin to say, what are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our resources? What are we doing? With, what, what's the covenantal community look like? And our house church is way too big to make that happen. It's like 40 people. I can't even, I don't even know half our house church and it's supposed to be where we're, we're living life. It has to happen in our house church and then in the intimate conversations we're having outside of that environment. I have a group of guys that I'm gathering. I'm saying God's doing something in my life right now and God's doing something in their lives as well. And I'm like, let's make a covenant around some new habits and practices. And it's, re it's so revolutionary. We're talking about money, how we use our money. We're like gonna be accountable for that, accountable for time, accountable for our, our vocations, saying, asking each other which projects we should take. Um, if it's from the Lord, we're, we're just saying we're gonna be accountable because we don't have much time to waste. We don't have time to waste. It's now, Ephesians, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So brothers and sisters, please, this holiday season, read, read along with us, read the Bible. This Mark is such a revolutionary gospel. It's a direct assault against Rome and the powers that be. Just read it through the lens. If you were to live out the lifestyle of Jesus, what would change in your life? What do you need to take on? What do you need to give up? 
How does your family do it together? Don't just make this about your personal private journey with Jesus. It's always in community. The context for discipleship is family and community. So if you don't have someone to talk to about this stuff, invite people into it. And if they say no, you just CC me on the email and say, shame on you. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I won't do that. Is that good today? Yes. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.